I felt like writing a book could help other people. So a lot of times we won't do something for ourselves, but we'll do it for somebody else. So finding my voice, I felt that calling to encourage and empower other people through my story to hopefully be able to find their voice and get some footing there. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends, we're so excited to have you with us this week. And we have not one, but two guests for you who are with us in the studio. That's so fun. Our guests are usually over Zoom, but we have Jill and Derek Dillard with us. So Suze, tell us a little bit more about them. So I'm going to read the official bio (laughs) here. Jill Duggar and Derek Dillard were in the public eye right from their first date due to the TLC reality TV show, 19 Kids and Counting. Jill was the first Duggar daughter to marry and more than 4.4 million people, that's crazy, tuned in to watch the two-hour wedding special on television. They're here today as friends and then also to talk about their new book, Counting the Cost, a memoir, and we are excited to have you guys here. Thank you. Thanks glad for to having be here. us. Thank you. Yeah. And Jill and I have been like talking behind the scenes on social <laughs> and it, it has been really sweet today to get to meet you both in person. So I'm excited. Thanks. Thank you for the warm welcome to you. Yeah, yes. for sure. So we're going to dive right in. And, you know, for me, I, I know that you have been on a tour. I know you've been on TV and I know a lot of people see this book as maybe talking about your family or talking about things that have happened within the reality show. But I got to be honest, as I read this book, I saw it as a journey. Mm. (laughs) It looked like two people who were finding their voice, finding Mm -hmm. renewed faith. And it was really beautiful, guys. It really was. So tell us the process of writing the book and why you wrote it. And maybe where you're at now on the other side of writing the book. I know that's a multi-layered question. (laughs) No, that's great. Yeah, it definitely has been a journey for us and one that we would have not maybe chose for ourselves, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people would say about their lives probably. But it's also been one that's taken us a while to process and get to the point where we were okay with writing about it as well, because we love our family. We love the people that we talk about in this book. So that was also hard. We knew that we would have to talk about things that um, were very dear to our hearts. Well, in a lot of ways, people were already telling our story. So certain aspects of that weren't accurate or they were exaggerated, uh, but we really wanted to uh, use this as a process to tell our own story. So the more that we lived our lives and um, really found that as we talked to people, just friends, we would be talking to someone and, and relate a part of our story to them. And they were like, Oh my goodness, I lived that as well. And Mm -hmm. they found hope in that and realized that they don't have to live in isolation and silence themselves or just struggle on alone. They can really find hope and encouragement 
in community. So the more that we saw that and the more, honestly, like the more conversations like that, that we had, we realized a book could actually be really helpful to reach a broader audience instead of having to have those conversations so many times over and over and over again, it it would be easier to have like a baseline. Because a lot of our stories are from the human experience. They're not unique to us. The facts might be unique, but it's not all that much different than what Mm -hmm. each person faces. Um, It just might look a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to read the dedication of the book because I think it's really beautiful and really speaks to what we're talking about right now. So it says, to those who have been harmed in the name of religion, to those who have suffered behind closed doors and have yet to find their voice, Mm -hmm. to those who have begun to find their voice but may still be living in a season of isolation, to those who, like Esther, the Old Testament Bible story, have courageously answered the call for such a time as this, despite the backlash, have now found their voice. From victims and survivors to strangers, family, and friends, this book is dedicated to you. May you all know that you are not alone, that your story, your voice, and your mental health matter. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 9.9. So I think probably everyone who's listening can relate to those words in some way. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking specifically of maybe a listener who is where you were at the beginning, who's going, oh, I've been in something very familiar for a long time. And suddenly I'm realizing maybe God is calling me to a new place in my story and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say to that person to help them find the courage to at least start asking questions, exploring, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, finding their own story instead of feeling like a character in someone else's so much of the time? I love the way you said that, too. Yeah, like living your life for someone else as well. Like that was what we were facing is, do we want to continue to live this facade? Like we're feeling God leading us one way. Are we going to continue to, to push that aside and, and live someone else's life? Or are we going to follow where God's calling us? And that might look different for different people. So yes, to the person who is in those early stages of kind of reevaluating and like my sister would say, like disentangling your faith, it's a hard journey. It is very hard. And it's one that should not be done alone. Um, you may not have anyone around you that is supportive of you and I had a friend recently ask me, how do I disentangle my faith and still hold people close? And I'm like, honestly, it's sometimes it's not that way. Like you have to be ready to count your costs. Like that's why this title of our book, Counting the Cost, was so important for us because you have to count those costs, but you also don't have to be alone. It may not be the people that you think are going to be your support people, you may have to be very intentional about going out of your way to meet new people, surrounding yourself with people in your church who are a few steps ahead of you where you want to be and find that support. Because without support, I think it's very, very difficult to process and to work through. Therapy has been a huge help to us Mm -hmm. as well. So finding a good therapist and somebody to guide you as well outside of that situation. I feel like ultimately it's about our identity in Christ, because if Mm -hmm. we're spending time with the Lord, other things are going to flow from that, our convictions. When we're reading scripture and we're praying and asking God, what are you calling me to? I feel like he'll answer that prayer. We have not Mm -hmm. because we ask or not. So 
a lot of our story has been identifying what our convictions are, not mm-hmm. what other people's convictions are yeah. for us and, and ma- distinguishing between those. Two. And then if you're married, a lot of patience because um, <laughs> Derek would feel one way about stuff and then I might feel another sure. way. And you have to be patient with each other as well. And lots of prayer and sacrifice and working through it. And then the book boundaries also is super yes. helpful Yes, um, by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Very, very helpful. It was helpful for me whenever I wasn't ready to talk to anybody yet, but to kind of have somebody else to speak into my life. Yeah. That was very helpful to sort things out. Well, I think that's a really powerful answer because what I hear you saying is we experienced hurt in relationship. And we chose to experience healing in relationship. Yes. In relationship with each other, in relationship with the counselor, in relationship with friends in our church, even in relationship with an author. Yes. You know, when that was what you could handle. And so I think there's a lot of hope in that. Like, yeah. I think sometimes when we are hurt in relationship, we tell ourselves, I have to heal alone. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe I'll reach out again. Yeah. But your story is no, all the way through, mm-hmm. there's still that thread of connection and relationship. And yeah. I think that's really beautiful and powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And I was going to say, just lingering here just for a moment, sometimes when I hear people talk about, detangling or deconstructing, mm-hmm. they, they say it in a very negative light. Like, I think the fear for that person is, well, they're just going to walk away from faith or walk away from Christ. But what I see is when you deconstruct something like a building, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're taking away what is broken to find the core of that building. Yes. <laughs> so then you can rebuild and it's stronger. And so I said a word as we prayed together before we started this, and that is brave. I I think it's really brave what you're doing, and I also think it's really brave that you're sharing it. And one of the things that I really love is I feel your love for your family through this. I do. Mm. All the way through it. I feel that. I also feel you finding a voice because there was a nickname you had, Jill. Mm. All growing up, you share it throughout the book. And that nickname represented people pleasing. Um, can you share a little bit about that and how that's been a part of your journey? Yes. So, in my story, our story, I talk about being sweet jelly muffin. That's That was my nickname growing up. And I was a natural born pleaser. So, um, being a people pleaser, it was hard for me to sort out like, what should I be doing? Especially as I got older, as a kid, it just, I just filled those shoes. Um, but then as I got older, I felt the wrestling inside myself to be able to disagree with someone about something and still love them. That was really, really hard for me to work through. So yeah, I think I put up with a lot more than I probably should have. And even just wrestling with my faith and working all that out because I feel the pressure of, everybody else's opinions. And I know I'm not alone in that, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody faces that and even social media nowadays, like you're constantly comparing. So yeah, that was something that I had to wrestle with for sure and still wrestle with and still fight to find my voice and be able to speak out. And And I feel like that's an attribute that transcends so much into so many areas of life, just being able to disagree with somebody, but still be okay with them. And I feel like that's been lost, especially on speaking oh, about <laughs> our generation, the millennials. And I think there's a lot of 
of reasons for that. Maybe even social yeah. media people who can not see someone and have lost that relational touch. There's a lot that comes with that, but I really think we need to get back to being able to disagree in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think too, like there were a lot of things that I wouldn't necessarily maybe do for myself. Maybe I wouldn't just write a book because I f- have this feeling like I need to write a book. But whenever I saw other people that were being harmed and continuing to be harmed because of similar ideology or circumstances, I felt like writing a book could help other people. So a lot of times we won't do something for ourselves, but we'll do it for somebody else. So yeah. finding my voice, I felt that calling to encourage and empower other people through my story to hopefully be able to find their voice and get some footing there. And just like you read about earlier, the story of Esther, not only seeing people being hurt and feeling a calling, but then also being able to steward the platform that we had, I feel like was so important. So in a lot of ways, as we were seeking this as a couple, part of it being a 10-year journey was telling that this is not something we took lightly, but something that we really felt a calling to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you, Derek, are a lawyer. So conflict is kind of your job (laughs) in a way. Unlike me. That's what I was alluding to. It it just transcends so much more that I think about like, it's just, it's healthy professionally, like, because you see when that doesn't work out in a healthy way, because some people take things personally and it's important to be able to disagree with somebody vehemently and do your job to be a a zealous advocate, but then also to be able to go get coffee with them and and go to kids sports events together and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what's one thing each of you have learned about healthy conflict, like an insight or a tip or a trick? Because you have both done a lot of hard work in that area. And I think that's sort of phase two, right? First you say, oh, I think I'm going to start exploring my own story. And then that process inevitably bumps up against someone else's story. And then there's conflict. So I feel like that's sort of phase two in the journey. So do you have something that each of you could share with our listeners? Like, all right, I'm being brave. I'm taking steps forward in my story. Oops, someone maybe is not so thrilled about that all the time. What might help? I think respecting other people's boundaries too, because so much of it is about talking about our own boundaries and you crossed my boundaries, you did this or that, but then also respecting other people too. Mm Uh, And a lot of it depends. I feel like a lot of my answers because of my profession involve it depends, but it depends because different people are different. So for me, I tend to replay things over and over in my head and think, how did this come across? How did that come across? But try to not take things personally myself um, and then try to not make things personal about other things that shouldn't be or cross somebody else's boundaries. That's good. And then I would say, like, give yourself space, but also give other people space too. Mm because you don't have to solve it all right now. I think that's something people, it's easier for them to hear. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be, you're the problem. I'm the problem. Somebody has to be the problem right now. Like having space is okay. And so sometimes I've said that even recently with the launch of our book where family members have reached out, I said, well, I just want to give people space. Like, because I know how it feels when you're going through something crazy and you need time to process. So it also gives you time to think and not come up with just a reactionary response. Yeah. I love that. Those two go so well together. Boundaries in space. <laughs> I think boundaries create space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Well, and I love Holly, you have said before that sometimes we talk about demolishing those walls and you, you have said, But Susie, sometimes we need a wall, but with a door in it. And I have loved that. Mm -hmm. 
because that means that there's a protectiveness there, but also a vulnerability that you're open as you have boundaries in place and as you have space. One of the things that really struck me, and it it was on page 189, uh, for those who want to look it up in their own book, (laughs) is, Jill, you talked about a time when you went through a time of loneliness. You, Derek, were working at the U of A uh, as far as doing mission work at the U of A. And so we're very involved. There were two little boys at home and you had had a circle and honestly, a really large circle for years and years. And now we're forming new friendships. But what you said is you said, um, I realized I didn't, I needed friends and I know I needed friendships, but I realized I didn't know how to talk to people. And that just, I kind of sat there for a minute with that. Me too. Tears. (laughs) Me too. Me too, because I can absolutely identify with that. Mm -hmm. I I really can. Being in a place to where God is doing new in you, but doing new in you also means that you're stepping into some really unfamiliar territory. Mm -hmm. So how are you in that? And, And what have you learned that maybe somebody else who's in that new place can learn from too? Yeah, there's so much there. Yeah. So during that time, I just had our second child. We went from two cars to one car. Derek was working 30 minutes away with an unpredictable schedule. So I was home alone a lot. We doubled our kids and halved our cars. (laughs) (laughs) And I was probably dealing with some postpartum and just trying to figure out life, but felt so isolated because at that point also in my life, the Bible had really been weaponized in my life, just to the point where I felt like speaking anything negative about my life story that could negatively affect other people in my life that I love was sinful. So I didn't feel like I could talk about the real challenges I was facing without it landing on somebody else wrong. So that was also a hindrance to why i didn't feel like I could open up to new friends because not only was I dealing with all of that, but when we started to kind of step away from reality TV and um, which had also happened that year, just a few months prior, and we were choosing to do things different for our family, we lost that circle of friends as well. So when I was trying to create new friends, being in the spotlight, I didn't know who I could trust. And even if I did feel like I could trust them, I didn't know if I could talk to them because opening up meant that I would have to share negative things about other people. And in my mind at that time, that was not okay. So really being able to, like we learned in therapy, like having your core people being intentional about if you don't have those core people creating that group of friends and, and getting to know people, whether that's at church or mom groups, whatever, finding those people and then being able to on varying levels, like kind of like a target we learned in therapy, like you got your core people and then your outer rings and Mm -hmm. bigger, you know, you kind of, that's where the trust circles go. So being able to, to visualize it that way and then work towards getting new friends and not that I completely released my old friends, but just having to be intentional in that. And it was a hard season to be able to do that too, because I was at home a lot. So ended up being my neighbors and people I could get a ride with to church for mom's groups and stuff like that. Yeah. And I hear the word intentional. Mm -hmm. So there were some intentional moves that, that you made 
to say, I'm going to first of all define who is safe. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to, we talked about that wall. I'm going to open the door. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's important people don't hear that we're looking for yes people because we want to look for people who study scripture, people who are believers as our core group. Not that all of our friends have to be Christians because we want to be in the world, but not of the world. But we just want those who are closest to us and have the most influence to be like-minded believers, Yeah, but also people who can challenge us as well. Yeah. And Derek, you know what I hear is I, and I love this about you, and this is my first time to meet you, is I know that you're a lawyer, but you're also a pastor at heart. And I so hear that in you, that you have a heart for the Lord and you have a heart to, to really love people well. And so thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So exploring your story and then navigating healthy conflict and finding healing community sounds like have all been part of your journey. So I know you probably started writing this book, what, a couple years ago now? Yeah. Um, so we were taking notes on like things we're like, okay, when we have a book, <laughs> yeah, here's what yeah. we use you know right. with yeah. authors. So, yeah. Like here's the rough stuff. But yeah, it actually got bumped up quite a bit. Our, okay. our timeline, our book was not supposed to release until January, but got bumped up to September when it released. So we didn't start writing it until last year. Okay. That'll add a lot of stress too. So So it was a little (laughs) stressful, but we did have also a ghostwriter who helped us form our thoughts and get that like nice flow, ebb and flow. I think, I think Holly and I, (laughs) we would love that. That would be awesome. (laughs) Just to be able to clarify, because sometimes when you're in the midst of a book, it can, you can almost feel like, man, is this even going to make sense? Mm. You know, you're so deep in it. But I wanted, here's some quotes that really stood out to me. Um, you said, first, we had to understand how deep our wounds went and how much healing was needed. And then you said, there's no timeline on healing. And I think that, mm. that gives us permission to take a deep breath. I am someone who God has been doing a healing work in my heart for a lot of years. And I think that the day before I go to meet Jesus, I think he'll still be doing healing work, you know? So giving women and men mm-hmm. and couples permission to say, this is going to take time. That was our therapist. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and that is like the definition of sanctification is that this mm-hmm. is a process and, you yeah. know, we're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. No. It's like a yeah. marathon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I guess... And this might be a loaded question. So if it is, just shoot me down. But if you look at a continuum, which is Holly's words, and you started here and you're still healing, like, where are you guys now? How, how are you? Where are you in that healing process? And what are you learning about yourselves in that? I definitely think we're on the... I wouldn't say the end of our healing for this story, because I think I think the book release has definitely tried to open some of those sure areas again. But I will say, yeah, the last nearly 10 years of our journey. Well, I guess it's been 10 years since we met and everything, but almost 10 years of marriage. It's been quite the journey. So there's been a lot of processing and all that's happened. I feel like that's a Difficult question because um, (laughs) my mom always encouraged me growing up on my spiritual birthday to look back and see, am I further along than I was a year ago? And to me, that's more what it's about because it's so hard to look at different aspects, but whether it's our anniversary or 
New Year's or spiritual birthdays, any kind of milestone like that. I feel like it's important. You spoke about intentionality earlier to be intentional because if we're not, then you're just going to coast downstream and intentionality will be, you know, doing the hard work to try and just make progress upstream and not knowing a lot of things, but knowing that I'm, you know, a foot, even if it's just a foot yeah. or some seasons might be a mile, others, it might be different, but just to be intentional. And, and if it's not difficult, then reevaluate and see, are we just coasting downstream on autopilot and we need to kind of reevaluate some things yeah. or are we making progress? And sometimes you might not feel like you're making a whole lot of progress yeah. <laughs> when you're reaching new milestones that are very hard. Right. So yeah. like little kids, we have three little kids and I'm still dealing with sleepless nights. And so I'm like, yeah. this is clouding my brain a little. So I'm like, am I taking steps back? No, I've heard it also compared to like school when you get to a new grade, those challenges might be harder. So even though you feel like maybe I'm doing something different or taking a step back here, sometimes you're just, you're just facing bigger, newer, yeah. new challenges. So. I, I think you guys actually answered this perfectly because it was a hard question. But I think what I hear you saying is that when you stop and you look back, you intentionally look back, you, you're celebrating what God mm -hmm. has done, what you're learning, how you're growing together. And I think that's a beautiful answer. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And what are you most excited about in your story now? <laughs> like, what do you want people to know that's happened since you wrote the final page of this book that is bringing you joy in this season? Well, we don't have a birth announcement or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I think just like enjoying the moment, like not mm -hmm. trying to look forward, not trying to look back, but just Joe was talking about the difficult moments with three kids between one and eight. And, you know, even if it's taking five minutes just to like wrestle with my boys, I think that's been really special just to live in the moment. Mm. There's not any big events on the horizon or anything. <laughs> um, but I think just living outside of our comfort zone, but then also enjoying the here and now. It's also been special to see as far as the book itself goes, how people have been helped and impacted already just in the short time that it's been released. And we've been thankful for the feedback from people. And we recently hit New York Times bestseller. Yay, congratulations. Yes. So that was exciting. Um, exciting. Multiple times and for the audiobook and the hard copy and all of that has yeah. done really well. So we're thankful. So. I love that. So it sounds like your journey has been from feeling entangled in someone else's story to being fully present in your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. And that yeah, is really that is so great. Yeah. powerful and definitely something to celebrate. Yeah. And you're using it to help set other people free too. So yeah. congratulations. Thank I, you. I'd like to end this with just something that you said. You said, getting out cost us, but it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it to find freedom from guilt and fear. It was worth it to learn how to think for myself about what I really believed about everything from God in the Bible to how many kids we should have and how they should be educated. It was worth it to discover that standing up for myself or others isn't a sin or an act of disobedience. It's a mark of freedom. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting teary. Oh. But this was beautiful. Of self-respect, of dignity, in learning to treat myself more kindly, I am discovering it's possible to do the same for others as well. So I think that's a, a beautiful way to end this conversation. Do you have anything else? First of all, tell us how they can find you, 
how they can find this book and, and any last thoughts that you have. Thanks. Yeah. So our book is available pretty much wherever books are sold. But if they're out in the stores, it's probably, I've heard some friends say, oh yeah, they're out. But like, if they're sold out, ask the people if they have any in the back. They may not. We just see where they're supposed to be. <laughs> Otherwise online. Um, and you can check us out. I have all the links on our blog, dillardfamily.com um, yeah. or follow us on social media. Derek and I are both on there. And then, yeah, I would say also too, there was one point in our book where people, they might swing one way or another and say, oh, well, you're just focusing on the negatives or look at all the good that's happened in your story. And to them, I would say it's kind of like roses and thorns. You have roses, you have the happy, joyous parts of your story, and then you have the more thorny, uncomfortable parts. And that's okay. The two can coexist. The good does not have to outweigh or in any way like shape the bad and vice versa. Like both of those feelings are true and real and both can exist. Either one invalidates the other. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. We've loved having you here. Thank y'all. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.